one. And we are recording with Mr. Joshua Hensley on Wednesday, September 14th, 2022 at 2.14 p.m. Eastern time. I guess you're kind of unlucky, man. You're episode 911. I don't know what to tell you. It's I don't you know, I don't control this. Episode 420 was on 420 last year. I tried to do that. Episode 666 was with a guy that did undergo an exorcism. Wow. I, yeah, I tried to line up 911 with 911. And I thought about it and I calculated it out last week. I would have had to do like four episodes a day. And I was like, well, these are just going to be shit episodes for like a a kind of interesting meme. Who oh, did 911 on 911? Like it doesn't So, I don't know what to tell you, man. You're 911. I don't know I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh it's yours. But hey dude, introduce yourself uh to all the listeners and I guess to me. Yep. So I'm Joshua Hensley. I was a, I'm a former ERP consultant, which is enterprise resource planning. So we would go and implement business software. So I did that for about seven years after I graduated college, did a lot of traveling um, around the U S Los Angeles, uh, Chicago, down in Florida. Um, But I quit that towards the end of 2019 to work full-time in the Bitcoin space, building apps, Started my own YouTube channel with tutor- doing tutorials, teaching people how to code. I also write about Bitcoin-related crypto stuff every week for a news publication site called CoinGeek.com. And I'm building my own apps, do some consulting, and it's it's been a lot of fun. And it's uh yeah, and uh, email me after this. Send me the links to your YouTube channel and uh, website, and I'll put them in the description. Um, how old are you? I'm 32. Oh, I'm 32. All right, word. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's a uh, it's you i guess you i did it more abruptly like an idiot i got into med school in 2013 decided i didn't want to go and then took about six years before i started this podcast so it was a i maybe should have thought out my abandoning ship a little more instead Mm -hmm. i was just like fuck it let's ride and unimaginable horror for six depression unimaginable horror but it worked and i got through this um was it the if it's so 2019 for you you would have been 27 i started the podcast in 2019 what what was the i guess the transition like for you you're doing software traveling around the country imagine doing well right college degree what what kind of made you want to bail yeah i really enjoyed my job um it wasn't that i disliked it i had co-workers uh i was pretty good at making good money it was my fascination with bitcoin that i'd had for about a year by that point so um i had been it had been sucking up most of my free time. So weekends, I was code, try to learn JavaScript, try to learn how to do web programming stuff and started writing towards the end of that period. And I just thought, I mean, you know, at that point, we're in a good financial situation. I'm young. I can take this gamble. Let's do it. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's that, uh, it's that, who was it? I think it who's the kid that wrote the book into the wild. You know what I'm talking about? He went off and, it's really it's a pretty famous book. I think it was in the nineties. After college, you just like went into the woods. There's like the famous picture of him in front of a bus in Alaska. He ended up dying, but he kind of just said screw it and went for it. Um, but th- the point is, is there's a quote that's that's a bad analogy saying if you follow your dreams, you're gonna die in Alaska. Both of us are here, followed our dreams, and it worked out well. So don't 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 despair. But there's a quote, I believe it's in that book, and it's um it's just talking about whether you think something's wrong with the world or a relationship, or your own job, or like you said, it might not even be that you dislike your job. I still like biology. I'll never go be a doctor, but I still, I, I'm still fascinated by it. 
So whether it's you like your job or hate your job, whatever. And there's something else. He calls it a, a splinter in your mind driving you mad. And it, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. You know, the the trope of like the, the deadbeat dad in the 50s who just walks, you know, goes to get cigarettes and never comes back. It can be like you're talking about most of your free time. Towards the end of my college career, I find my, I found myself moving more and more from the the dictatorial tyranny of study all day, every day to start writing just whatever, you know, I was, I was trying to write, I was trying to design like YouTube comedy sketches. I, I was, I was fucking around with Photoshop, just all these. And it's like just this little spark and you can't stop thinking about it. It's, it's an addiction in the best way. And is that kind of what it was for you where you're like, all right, dude, I'm 29. I'm good at this. Like, screw it. Let's, let's fucking play the lotto. Was that what it was? Pretty much. Yeah. And then the, I mean, I did like my job, but I've always disliked the whole nine to five, eight to five paradigm. I've really hated it because, you know, not everyone works that way. And getting away from that seemed to be um, was very exciting and interesting just because I had already started to implement what I could of that in my work. But obviously, you know, you still have controls there and patience. But um, I was interested to see what could I do with seven full days of no travel to just do this stuff. And, you know, I just, I've been fascinated with that concept probably for about seven years now. Just the idea of if you had free time, what you could Uh, do. And I I just think the whole nine to five is silly. I mean, it even is breaking apart now. I mean, the reason it would break apart would be the, you know, the whole incident from the last two years, but it's, it's happening. So, you know, more work from home, more because the employers know they can't control folks. And I remember, I remember when the, the whole thing first started in April 2020, I was at the gas station and this guy was all excited. He yelled out to me. He said, he's like, man, um, I'm loving it. He's like, I just, I just got my third job. Oh, they can't check, right? I mean, how are they going to know? You, yeah. know what I mean? so it's, you know, if they make you come to an office for 40 hours, you can't you go can't anywhere. get a second job or a third. But if yeah. you're just at home, right? And that's like a weird thing. It's not even like, a, oh, you're gaming the system. It's like, no, objectively, from like a capitalist standpoint, that's someone producing even more. Not to sound like some communist dictator, like the people are working harder. But no, really, I mean, that's that's what drives the nation forward is people are working more. And that's, I'm with you. That's kind of what was like tearing at my brain. I'd been doing this podcast for like eight months. I was working at a liquor store, living with my parents. And like, I just used to think, I'd be like, what if I could just do this? all the time and i've been my own i've been doing this full time since about april 2021 i work more hours now than i ever did at a nine-to-five job but it feels like i'm working nothing so like instead of 40 hours a week i probably put in like 80 hours a week to this seven days a week listen to audiobooks all day always emailing guests always trying to put it online trying to catch other people trying to you know make hybrid episodes and trying to stay on top of topical stuff at the same time have on historical authors and i work more doing this as my own boss i drive myself harder and it also it does lead to so this is kind of what i want to get to get to is uh i always thought about what would it be like if i was my own boss and for the most part, I would say my my idea was correct, but it's also very much so like the like the astrophysics concept of the the black hole. As you approach the event horizon, you don't really know what exists beyond it. And 
I would say that's also true. This has opened up aspects of my own mind, my own desire. I never knew. I woke up at like 5 a.m. every day in college. It just that's just I just I just paired that idea with that's what hard work was. I work harder now than I ever have in my life, but I wake up at the crack of noon every day. Like that's a I never knew I was a noon to 4 a.m. guy. <laughs> I've never been happy. So for you, just I mean, regardless of what it is, be it Bitcoin or be it a farmer, uh, I guess you could be a Bitcoin farmer and a miner, I guess. What is the if any, what is like the event horizon aspect for you where it's like, okay, I did end up I had an idea that I would put out this much work and I am. I had an idea that I'd have this much fulfillment and I do. Are there any other weird aspects that just like you never guessed, like just the event horizon you don't know until you get to the top of the roller coaster and you can see down? Is there anything like that for you? I think that the these last three years of being on my own, I probably learned more than I would have, to your point, um, in the last seven years, because I was working inside of a box. Not that the box was bad, but sure. it was really constraining and limiting, right? I'm working with third-party software. You have this, you can only do certain things with it. And then when I started doing web development, I see, well, this thing is completely wide open. And just the freedom to be able to do stuff, I mean, I'm fairly confident if I were to go back to that to my employer or even to some new one, they might question, right? Because there'd be a gap, right? In my mm-hmm. resume, if, right? It would say, yeah. oh, well, three years. I mean, I would be able to really probably turn it on its head, probably, which mm-hmm. I never, even though the monetary income wasn't there, it wasn't close to what I would have made if I'd stayed salaried, but the production and what I actually learned and how I could probably implement that at a new tech job. I mean, yeah, it's invaluable those three years. I kind of look at it that way now. I'm like, if someone asked me what I've been doing from 2019 till 20 na- 2022, I used to be like, oh, I don't know what I would say. And now I'm like, well, here's a guy. Here's I interviewed like the chief of the uh, the NASA ro- of JPL. I interviewed uh, Rob Manning, the guy who's in charge of the rovers going to Mars. I had Charlie Duke, who walked on the moon. Mike Durant, the Black Hawk Downpile, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, for Joe Rogan's most downloaded episodes. I interviewed them multiple times before he ever had them. Like you, I think I'd be able to turn that now and be like, this is what I did. Now nah, I've made next to no money, but that, that's an aside. It's it's making enough. Um, And how is it, and you have to excuse me, I know we're not really getting onto Bitcoin, but it this is kind of an odd podcast. You're 27, you started your thing in 29, or you were 27 in 2019 when you started your thing. So was I, so it's like a weird sort of mirror. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of enjoying this to see how your experience, it is a weird, it's like a weird control study. We're both, we've both done it. So I, I've, I kind of want to see where you are. Um, So excuse me if I'm using this as like my own therapy or checklist, but uh I'm like, I'm just, I'm asking, I'm like, what else did, what else did you do? Um, How has it affected your view on, so for me, a huge thing it's done is, is, is taught me long-term goals. And in a sense, I did know that in high school as a freshman, I decided I wanted to lift weights knowing that I probably wouldn't have like a decent amount of muscle for five years. And I was right. As a sophomore in college, my first day, of sophomore year, I decided I wanted to be a doctor. I knew this was going to be a three-year haul, and I was correct. Um, but what it's really shown me now is, at first, it, it started to dawn on me. I was like, oh, this is a long-term project. And then that shifted to, oh, most of the efforts, I won't see, I won't see the rewards for a long time. 
to now I'm like completely on the other end of the spectrum where I'm now like a day, a single day means nothing. It does in the sense that that's where you do the work. That's where you do a podcast. That's where you go to the gym. That's where you diet. That's where you add a little money to your savings. But any like respectable, decent, something you'd be willing to brag about, like, you know, where have you been for the last three years? I mean, it it takes years. So now when I like have a new goal, I don't even look at it like, how long is it going to take? I'm like, all right. I'm like, all right, I'm on Spotify right now. I have 2,700 subscribers. I'm like, I'll probably break 5,000 by next Christmas. But it doesn't even phase me anymore. I'm like, okay, okay, I've got 15 months. Whereas that used to be like the most depressing thing. Like, what the fuck? 15 months? Have you had that at all where you look at any realistic, meaningful goal as just that's not happening this year and be okay with that? Some of that, yeah. When it comes to, say, money, that for sure a lot of it's deferred, uh, which you know is uh is uh, is an issue when it it's hurts family, right? Yeah, it hurts. Oh, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm in a similar boat with YouTube. Um, I I got I just hit monetization at the end of last year, and it's grown since then. I, yeah, I'm not near the same counts, twenty three hundred. So, and I, I look at it the same way. You know, think about five thousand. Yeah, I don't think that oh, it's gonna take forever. I just think. I just need to keep going mm-hmm. and then that's that stuff will come later yeah so I think it depends on what it is but and then you know there's some external pressures there but yeah. I do kind of look at it that way that if I just you know it's the whole thing you reap what you sow right I mean yeah. you can't grow a plant you can't grow tomatoes and cucumbers overnight yeah yeah now I was permanently banned from YouTube for interviewing Dr. McCullough and Dr. Malone which of course which sucks but <laughs> I have the same thing though. I remember, yeah, you go to like YouTube studio and you, what, what is it still the same? You need a thousand subscribers and 4,000 watch hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was taken away. At, I got to 5,000 subscribers on YouTube and 55, 55, 49 and 24,000 watch hours. They never monetized me and then they banned me. So I wish you better luck. Um, <laughs> I wish you better. I was so doe eyed. I just have to get to a thousand and then I'm monetized. Eh, but I also don't think that you're you're i'm also a hard-headed asshole and when they gave me a suspension i was like oh fuck you i'm just gonna keep interviewing these guys to my own to my own detriment you know pride comes before the fall um but it's also worked out better for me i have twelve thousand subscribers on rumble and so it boosted me mm-hmm. but same thing with the money yeah i keep an excel spreadsheet of just a whole bunch of metrics BitChute, odyssey spotify youtube what was youtube rumble subscribers views watch time and then like earnings and i think in about around this time september 2020 i had made uh i had made i think 25 cents a month on spotify and then by last september it was up to like 25 dollars per month i think and right now it's up to like $250. So another year later. So there is that sort of stay the course. $250 a month is, I don't think I'm being like bratty when I say that it's nothing. I can barely, you know, my rent is, is, is $1250. But there is that deferred thing where I'm like, well, let's look at the patterns. Right. This isn't just a couple of days of data. This is every day for almost three years now. It grows tenfold a year. Yeah. Okay, well, twenty five hundred a month next fall. 
I can absolutely live on that. Right. If it goes to twenty five thousand, I'm happier than a than a pig in mud, right? Mm-hmm. So there is that sort of like it's gonna work, right? It's like showing a YouTube video to like a friend, like a funny video. And like you're showing it to them and they're like not laughing and you're like, just watch the whole thing. I promise it's going to be good. Yeah, It's the same thing. People are like, so how's the podcast going, Tommy? You're on 900 episodes? And I'm like, just wait. I Just give me two more years. It's going to fucking be there. And they're like, all right, dude. Like, you know, I'm just screaming in a camera in my apartment, in a 700 square foot apartment. And I'm like, it's going to, it's going to work. My bed's three feet over there. It looks like I've got a, my, my studio looks like Ted Kaczynski's cabin. There's just wires and panels and everything. Is that is that the not the shout out FBI? I suppose I bet they flagged that name. Is that kind of is that kind of where you're getting out with that? The deferred, yeah. it's gonna work. It's but it's horrifying. Yeah, I mean, I think we're at we're at the exact same boat. Man. <laughs> is the same amount. I mean, yeah, that's where I'm at in terms of the revenue. Um, you know, ten months ago zero, and now it's around like two hundred or so a month. Hell yeah, it's not. You know, my wife would say, hey, you know, that ain't nothing. but I'm looking at that. I mean, that pays for three bills. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then so if I just keep going, you know, at a certain point, I just think it'll it'll start paying off to where it's like, oh, well, now, oh, it's just assumed that that yeah. income's coming in. Right. Yes. It's yeah, it's it starts very. I remember the first time. Yeah. On that. I remember when I got 25 cents, I was like, Christ, I'm but like the first thing I did was I went and bought like the cheapest thing I could find. And I think it was like a single like Jolly Rancher at Food Lion. But it was just to like t- show myself like it's real. I got some. And then like the next year I, I got like uh, I got like two like pre-workout drinks at the gym. And I was like, OK, it's real now. Yeah. Now it pays for Internet and utilities. So I've got two bills. That's real. Like that's very real. And so now I'm like. Can I get it up to rent? Can I get it up to the next thing? Um, and I'm sure anyone listening to this is bored out of their mind because what we're talking about is no, no one's doing this, but I don't, I don't give a shit. Um, last question, I suppose, is how has it changed your view on someone like Jeff Bezos or like Elon Musk or Bill Gates or Steve Jobs? Because I now look at this and I'm like, I've been doing this for three years. I'm talking about how great it's going to be in two more years. I'm like, what if I did this for three decades? I'm like, and then once this got big enough, I taught myself graphic design for several years and I like opened a merch store and it was doing well. I just, I couldn't juggle that and the podcast. Now I'm like, once I can get this thing going and get this self-sufficient and actually hire people to like do the social media and video, all the other shit I have to do. Like I have a, I have ideas for like other companies and then like, what happens when those get bigger? And I have like I have ideas for like philanthropy. I want to do philanthropy. I lost a, my older brother to suicide in 2014. Like I want to like leave a footprint on mental health care. And even though I'm all not even three years into this, I start to step back and I'm like, what is? I'm 32. I'm like, what does 30 years look like? And then I start to see like, now it, it, that takes a lot of ego to try to talk about Elon Musk because I that guy's on a different level but you start to look at those absurd goals of like you colonize another planet or like you create amazon you start looking at things like oh you actually can do this it's gonna take a lifetime and again the the 
the personal horrors that <laughs> no one sees in, in the dark of night when it's just you working. How does that how does that change your view on 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 that? Like, oh, anything is possible. Not to sound like some shitty like inspirational speaker at a strip mall, but do do you get that at all, or is that just my own ego blossoming? I think it yeah it is humbling and it makes you because you know those guys you just mentioned get a lot of criticism and you know they yeah. they do they get it for various reasons but I think a lot of that is easy to attack because you can't attack that stuff you just said right you can't because that doesn't show on the social media and the internet stuff right no one sees thirty years of effort they just see oh you cheated on your wife. Yeah, or, yeah. oh, you, you're talking this crazy nonsense. Or, oh, you know, you might have committed fraud in the past. And they harp on that because that's easy. But it's very hard to go up against something that's 30 years built strong every day. And I think what I've realized is that those guys did not get there on accident. And that the reason they get that is because you can't attack the core that got them there in the first place. So you have to find some other thing that's more rel- uh, relating Right. Like, you know, some scandal or whatever. Um, But it is humbling to think, I mean, you know, are we going to be we're going to have to do this? We did it for three. We got to do it for 30 more. Right. It's very humbling to think about it. And I think um, one of the things I'm starting to realize is I've always in addition to the nine to five thing, I've really disliked the whole 401k retirement model. Yeah, because. It's, it's, it makes so many assumptions about the future that I wasn't comfortable with. Huh. But if you're doing something you like, like you mentioned, how you say it's not work, you could do this at 81 years old. There's no retirement. There's no retirement. You exactly. don't care. But I am retired. You don't. You never have to work towards some fantasy because yeah. you're you're already there and you just yeah. keep going. And it, you know, I mentioned the garden thing. I mean. Once you plant it and it grows and it's self-sufficient, then it, that's just there. You never have to, you know, save to reach some insurmountable goal, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's brilliantly said. You you attach on to something simple. He cheated on his wife. Sure, that that that's not you know that's not respectable, but that's it's because that's all you can latch on to, right? It's it's you, there's one there's two things I always go back to, and it's a uh, there's two pictures of Jeff Bezos I always look at. One is like him in like the 90s in a garage and like a desk covered in paper. And it just says Amazon and it's written with Sharpie on a piece of cardboard paper taped to the front of it. And I'm like that. Okay. And then there's another picture of him before that, even sadder, working at a hot dog stand, like sweating like a pig. Um, I don't know, on some some like boardwalk. It kind of looks like Venice Beach or something. I don't I don't know where he lived. And I look at that and I'm like, sure, Bezos is the trope of like Lex Luthor. <laughs> but dude, he built that. Yeah. Sure, I'm I'm sure he's committed. I'm I'm sure they all get corrupt later on. I'm not defending that. You don't get a hundred billion. You can swindle some millions. You can pull a Jordan Belfort, right? You can pull some you could even, I don't know, you could even be an El Chapo or a, or a, a Pablo Escobar, right? You could, you could do some dark things for money. You don't get a hundred billion. You don't get a hundred billion. And then the other thing I look at is, um, it's like a video of, of Musk. It's not even from that long ago, but it's, he's, he's being interviewed. I think it's Charlie Rose. I don't know. One of the, like the, the famous interviewers and it's, a uh, 
they're they're going back to like 2002 or something and it's it's elon talking about how he wants like sustainable rockets rockets that can land themselves when the shuttle gets phased out and it's one thing for just the average joe someone like me to criticize him but like buzz aldrin like neil armstrong i think like i don't know when chuck yeager died but it was these guys his i mean his hero like you know pictures of them on the wall they were saying like not only is it not feasible but he's a fool for even trying and the interviewer saying it to him and that's where the meme comes from from elon tearing up and he's like that that hurt but the video i'm talking about somebody set somebody like set it to music right and showing this and he goes and so the interviewer then looks at him he goes so do you ever think about giving up and you just see something like change on his face and he almost like Almost like if I asked you, like, so Josh, your real name is Tiffany. You'd be like, fuck, bro, my name's Josh. He goes, so do you ever think about giving up? And he looks at me and he goes, no. And then he goes, why not? And he goes, again, it's just sort of surprised. I'm like, oh, so your name's Jessica. No, it's Josh. He goes, because I don't ever give up. And then it just starts showing, like, a montage of the Rockets landing. And it's playing Gangster's Paradise in the background. And I always look at that video, and I'm like, fucking right. That's the way to go. <laughs> fucking like destroy your enemies like eviscerate those in front of you that's are there any things that you kind of and i get i know i know i gotta let you go at three so i still got you for 20 minutes so i suppose we'll have to do another one and actually talk about bitcoin but like do you have anything similar to that where you just look back or tom brady at the combine in 2000 is just some just skinny lanky white boy and he goes to what he's been to 10 super bowls now do you have anything like that any like superpower thing you lean on when it's like you're really thinking about giving up it, that example you just brought up about the Bezos, I, that, that one I think about a lot because, you know, it just shows that you know, all the stuff that we take for granted didn't just come from nowhere, right? It started somewhere with something and somebody and someone had to, you know, put the effort in and build that. Um, as far as other ones, I think it's more about finding... It's, I don't, I don't have any other specific examples, but I think the one that does keep me motivated is just thinking about, um, you know, long-term deferring a lot of this stuff. Because I, I do think because we're young, we can afford to screw up. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I, one example I think about, which I don't know any personal ones of, but I've heard of these stories of people probably got screwed over big time in the 2008 financial crisis. And I think the people that got screwed were not the 30-year-olds, but it was the 60-year-olds that were probably just about to retire, right? Those are the people that really lost because it's like hitting the reset button. But how do you set yourself up to where you don't have something like a risk like that, right? And I think the way you do that is you have to build it up. You have to build up that, you know, whatever, whatever it is to something to where it's kind of just going. But it can't be done overnight. So that's kind of the way I look at it is that, okay, you know, put in the effort while we're young and we have the energy to something that we determine that is going to be long-term sustainable. Because I think the example I just gave, that, that's, that's, my, that's my exact issue with the retirement system, right? Is that you have too many long-term risks that are outside of your control. But if it's something like Bezos and he's built his own company, sure, it could fail, but I think he would find that out quickly, right? I don't think he would get 15 years into it and it's like, oh, well, because he already did. If he's doing it for 15 years, obviously there's something there. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, 
it kind of makes me that that book the subtle art of not giving a fuck i can't remember who wrote it pretty good book um but he has a great point in it where he goes things might not be your fault but they are your responsibility and he goes if if you hear a knock at the door and you go to the front door and there's just a like a baby in a in a bag he goes that's not your fault it's not your fault at all it is your responsibility he goes whether or not you like it and I think he says, he goes, maybe you call the police. Maybe you call Child Protective Services. Maybe you adopt the kid. He goes, maybe you feed it to a, fit, uh, a pit bull. He goes, I don't know. He goes, it is your responsibility now. Or if you get T-boned in an intersection, that's not your fault. Maybe the guy was texting. Maybe he was drunk. It's not your fault, dude. It is your responsibility now. From either calling an ambulance to nine months of rehab, even if you get to sue the guy and he has to pay for all the bills. It is your responsibility. Responsibility isn't fair. It just serves up. And for years, I you know, I looked at my, my brother's suicide as just, it's unfair. You don't know how hard this is. And I would just blame everyone. And I would just sort of like, almost like laundering money. I would just launder my own responsibility. Like, you know what it's like. And no one would, no one would ever want to like, like, and it was complete bullshit. And no one would ever want to fight me. Because my friends are like, I mean, I'm not going to be the guy that calls him out for talking about and which is total a total bitch move on my end, right? It's like, oh, you can't criticize me. And they wouldn't because they're decent humans, mm. which just made me dig deeper and deeper into a hole. But finally, I did start to... So, like, getting fucked over in the 08, uh, 08 crisis. It wasn't your fault. Like, it, it wasn't your fault. But unfortunately, it is your responsibility. And... You know, I don't like the idea of the nine to five, as you don't. I don't like the idea of deferring to a future date, which I might not even be alive for. Yeah. You drop dead the day, your last day of work sucks to suck. Um, but there are people who probably agree with us, but they came to that realization after they had a couple kids. And because they're, again, they're a decent human, they're like, I can't go try to become a podcaster now. I have to put food on the table, which you have to respect, right? I don't think I don't think my dad or even like my uncle, I don't think they necessarily loved what they did. They had kids. And so they did it to completion and they retired. But that is something that I look at. I go, okay, I don't think it's my fault if the country collapses or if the US dollar doesn't mean anything anymore, or if an asteroid hits us, or if there's a fourth industrial revolution, or but it is my responsibility. And I'm with you 100% on that. I remember reading a quote that was like, if you only make money while you're working, you're going to work to the day you die. And that really, it's simple, but that really like opened my mind to a new idea of, again, it's not much, but I can stop doing the podcast. I could, I can stop for, I think the longest I've gone without doing one was like two weeks. It still made like a hundred bucks. I didn't do a thing. And it's that passive the engines churning in the background and i don't really know where i'm going with this there's not really a question in here but i think more just agreeance with you agreement with you it is your responsibility if you want and hey maybe you don't hate it enough to actually do anything that's fine too i have a lot of friends who don't like their jobs but they also like the certainty that's cool you're not wrong there is no certainty in this. It's terrifying. It is. You, you get a master class in how to deal with anxiety. <laughs> but it is, I guess that would bring me to, I guess, more of a, a, a conclusive big picture point to discuss with you is 
so then you have to look at like then why do it is your love for it really worth it you can love a puppy you can also love video games like you don't need to do it we're lucky you go get a college education like you can get by you can just go get a cubicle job like that's dope in all of human history you might just be eaten by a bear or you know be a slave on the pyramids we can just go get i can just go use my biology degree and go get a job and like not starve in the elements like that's pretty cool so then why do it at all you know it's not I'm not an immigrant in the former Soviet Union who's like, I got to get out of here. Like I've, I don't have a pretty good life. I have an amazing life. I've, I have wonderful parents. I was, I was raised and was put through private Catholic school. I have a college education. Uh, you know, my mom was a nurse. We never allowed to eat shit food. So I just grew up with like healthy habits that most people would die to have. Like I'm, I'm blessed beyond recognition. So then why still go do it? And for me, it was sort of the existential crisis of losing my brother. So I lost him to suicide. I could have just as, that could have just as easily just been a car crash. It could have just as easily been a plane crash. The death is the same. And what really started to get me was, I think it's also in, I don't remember what book it is actually. It's um, The Untethered Soul by uh, by Michael Sanger. He talks about how much time do you have left? The, the angel of death comes down tonight and he goes, all right, Josh, time to go. You go like, do what? I'm 32. And he goes, yeah, time to go. The first thing you do is probably bargain. Just give me another week. But another week of giving you three decades. Like, can I just have like another day? No, you had three decades. And I think it's called the sword of Damocles. The idea that the sword is always, it's resting. The guillotine is resting on your neck so close that it's like shaving the hair. And you always have to feel that. So like I have a big picture of, you know, by the time I die, I want to I wanna open a medical school and name it after my brother. I want to do a bunch of like mental, I want to push mental health research forward, not even in like a profitable manner. I just don't give a shit. I want to leave a good impact. But I always also remind myself like this might be the last episode. I have two more episodes today. This might be the last one. I don't know. Fucking die of an aneurysm in a minute. I don't have no idea. It'd be kind of awkward for you, but you know, it might be it. That above all else, I'm, I'm getting around to it, above gratification, above the splinter in my mind saying, you got, just go do it, just go do it, above the, well, maybe my 401k isn't there, maybe the country's invaded, maybe it's collapsed, I don't know. Above all of that is like the biggest pusher of all. And I just have truly internalized the idea of, Death isn't some distant abstract thing that happens when you're 85 and you uh, a life well lived. Maybe it comes right now. Maybe it comes right. Maybe we both drop dead before the end of this. I have no idea. I have no idea. And to me, I do believe in God, and I do believe in the idea of like, like just consciousness does go on forever. But I also have no uh, data <laughs> to support that. And the scientist in me goes it might be one time around the track and then it's just void. It's like how it was before you were born. Am I really going to not use this one time around the track to just try to live the most insane life ever? Just go for it. Just start a podcast, go whatever, have self landing rockets. So I know that was kind of a, a word vomit, but 
do you ever think about that? Does that play a role in it at all? Because, you know, it's like fraud or something. People are going to look at the accounting and go, it's not adding up. The idea of like, I just want to do this because I love it. It doesn't add up when you start going, but you're constantly anxious and you don't even know if it's going to work. And where's the money? And your wife's saying, hey, it's not, you know, you're kind of only paying two bills. And you're like, hold on. Does that play a factor into you at all? Just the existential, it's beyond rational. It's just the philosophical sense that this ends at any moment. Does that play a role at all? Or did I maybe just give you a panic attack? <laughs> Not, <laughs> it doesn't specifically, <laughs> but I think the, that element of regret, potential regret is. So thinking if I don't do it now, then when? Or if I don't do it, am I going to look back and say, I wish I had done that? Yeah. And I, I think one thing I've learned is that it's important to not have the regrets that it's better to screw up because if you screw up, you at least learn. But if you regret, that's just all negative. There's no positives from that because you're always looking back at something that can't be changed. Whereas a mistake, maybe it can't be changed, but it could be fixed, especially done if it's done recently. So that's more the way I look at it is that if I didn't do that, you know, cause I, I made the risk, the risk assessment that, okay, I can forego the money for this period of time but and take the gamble. But if the gamble doesn't work out, I don't screw up anything in the long run. And, you know, I think that's the important part is don't sacrifice short-term things for, uh, for the long term. With that said, I think you always got to be mindful of what you just said. I mean, that's a good point about the sword is that you got to push forward I think with full effort because that could also result. I mean, I think it's, it comes down to the same concept, which is regret. Yes. You, you said it in a much more eloquent and timely manner than my babbling asshole. But have you ever a guillotine? Like, you know, yeah. What a surprise. I do a podcast where I get to listen to the sound of my own voice. I'm such, <laughs> I'm such a cocksucker. Like, but like, so yeah, I, I remember the day I took the MCAT it was like, so me and everyone in like my graduating class, they all graduated in May 2013. I had an extra semester to do of like electives because I fucked around my freshman year. So they all graduated in like May, including all my roommates. But I was studying for the MCAT, which I took on like the last day of May 2013. And so I remember like even studying through just like their graduation parties downstairs, just put in earplugs and just kept working. And I remember I took the MCAT and just felt so calm. I just knew I aced it. And I, and, I, and I did. My gut was right. I just I scored in the top 5 percentile. I just I knew it. And I came back. I already had a, a, a stellar GPA. Did all the pre-med shit, the shadowing, the volunteering, the research, the letters of recommendation. And I was like, I'm good. I know I'm going to get in. I don't know where. but I and, I and I did. I ended up getting to the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. I applied to 32 schools, interviewed at three, and got accepted to one. But I was right. I did get in. So there is this like this rock solid sense of like, I got the thing that I've been grinding towards for four years. And I remember coming back to the apartment. It was like 11 a.m. I like, went and got like a bottle of rum and like bought some weed. And I was like, I'm just going to go get fucked up and like sit by the pool. And there was no one there because they had all moved out a week prior. And I remember walking in there. It was like a scene out of a movie. Like there was just like we had like a mirror on the wall, and I was just standing there, like just I looked like looked at myself, and it's just 
empty. You just kind of hear like the air conditioner humming. And it's not just like empty because they're all at class. It's that like empty apartment. Everyone's kind of moved out. Like the furniture's not there. And I just had this like moment idea of like, is this what it is when I'm on my deathbed? Where I go, I just finished college. and I didn't enjoy it. You don't get to redo college. And I just, I remember saying, they're just going, I can't believe I just did that. It was like the biggest moment of regret. And it still took me a little more time to officially decide not to go. It was about two months later and during my extra semester. And we came home from the bars. It's in Athens, Georgia. It's a huge party school. Just drunk out of our heads and got, got way too high. UGA? Yeah. I went there too, man. You went to UGA? Yeah. Fucking what? what when did you graduate? 2012. 20, what the fuck? Dude, I, the the fuck really? Yeah, dude. I lived in uh, I so I went to Valdosta for two years. Transferred there. I went to uh, I lived, uh, I lived in Mandyville, one eighty three Mandy Drive, my first year, and then I lived uh, uh, I don't even remember the name of the apartment complex, three nine three Oconee Street at the like right by the police station, and then uh, I lived. And then I lived in the flats, which I think was made in 2013. And then my last thing, I lived in the Omni, which was kind of near downtown. You went to UGA? No, Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> dude, this is fucking weird, dude. <laughs> this is weird, man. We have like a parallel existence. So, okay, so you know everything I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we walked home, just, just you know, just uh, just walking home, just fucked out of our heads. And I got so, I got so high and I laid in my bed that night. And uh, I just couldn't stop thinking about, like, am I really getting ready to just go to med school? And I remember seeing a quote by an author who I'd never seen before. And I now know she's like a world-renowned author. I think she's dead. Maya Angelou. And the quote was, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story. And that was the splinter in my mind. That was the final nudge. I had known for like a year that I wasn't happy. I had known for a couple months from the MCAT that I was full of regret. That was the final just spike in my head. And from that moment forward, I, just, I knew I was like, I, I have to live a different life. And I think, yeah, regret. It just... Because this could not work out, I won't regret it. Mm. I'm like, dude, I had the balls to go for it. Yeah. Dude, you went to UGA? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Really? Well, I got a similar way I handled my senior year, but it's it's kind of different from yours, and I hope you don't get mad at me because mine is more positive. But Oh, dude, dude, no. Oh, no, ultimately, my senior year was, I do, at the time, it was dreadful and depressing. I now look back at it it has like a golden aura because I'm like, I decided to fucking go for it. So no, no, I, I, it's not depressing. I look back at it now, my last semester, because I, I got way too high the first night of my last semester, my last semester I had to this day, those were the best four months of my life okay. because as I, I not anymore, but I, that's when I fell in love with the girl. I ended up dating for five years. It's when I like discovered like who I was and like I tried mushrooms for the first time and was like, Oh dude, like the universe opened up. It's not depressing. I, it is a golden launching point from that I came from. The subsequent years were horrifying, but what'd you do your senior year? So I, I think, yeah, by the end of, it was my last semester, I had my computer science degree. 
So I, I would, I would have been good three and a half years in, but I decided to go for a double major with math. And I was going to get a minor in math anyway, but I said, thought, okay, let me try for a double. And the um, head of the math department had told me, I think a, a year or two before, don't take more than three computer science and math classes in a semester. Yeah. And for me to get the major, I had to take four high level math classes. And it was my last semester and I did it. And I just remember thinking, man, this shit is hard, <laughs> but I'm not going to sacrifice my last semester at UGA to be some, you know, to hold Opener. up in my dorm room and learn all this complex algebra stuff. So somehow I skirted the line, man. It was the first semester, two CPs. <laughs> Hell yeah. I got Hell yeah. It. But I just, you know, my GPA went down, but I got two majors. And I just, <laughs> I'm not like I don't know who how many people would have made that decision, but I just remember thinking back that you know it was it was hard because there were moments where I you know where we I have to say oh it's hard out partying, but I would think in the back of my mind am am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? Right? And it turns out I did with you know some sacrifice right with to the GPA, but um, I think the the funniest part of this though is what the hardest math class. The teacher was great. I, I get to the final, man, and I knew I had to do well in this final in order to pass this class. And there were four questions, man. And I swear those questions took almost all the time. And one of them, by the end, you know, you remember that whole concept in math where if you show your work, even if you get it wrong, you still get most of the points. Yeah. Yeah. Th- I think this question was like this, but I, after all this, the answer was one. And when I saw that, I'm like, all right, I knew that's right. That has to be cool. It has to be it. It has to be it. Dude, my last semester I took uh I took German I took German one. I took uh I took uh I had to take cellular biology, which was the hardest biology, but I didn't give a fuck. So I was I was and I just I just finished all the other bio classes. So despite being like the like the killer, I like screwed about the C. I got a I got a C in statistics. I'm I'm a I was a 4.0 student. I think I got a C. I think I got I dude I the the TA felt bad for me because I had failed every test, and he gave me 140 on the final exam just to give me a C. Really? I think because he knew what I was doing. He knew I'd already finished. He knew I'd done the whole pre. And I was like, dude, I just have to fill this elective. Like, don't don't. And he was just like, you motherfucker. Um. What, what was my cellular biology? I think microbiology, which was just, I just would go to the lab and just play with like the Bunsen burner. See, but I didn't. And I remember thinking like, what will the people at like the medical admissions board think? Yeah. And I remember thinking like, I don't care. Yeah. I have one semester. It's the fall. Who doesn't love the fall? This, this is the first semester I ever went to a football game, like went downtown. Um, we used to have the, and I know I gotta let you go, but I used to do this thing. Um, uh, where I'd wear this big sweater and the like this oversized thing, and I'd put a camel back on, and we'd fill it with vodka, and then we'd run a the, the hose down my arm, and we'd go in there and just we'd pour ourselves free drinks all night. <laughs> it was the best semester of my life, dude. I and I yeah, I don't regret it at all. And that's when I still thought I was going to medical school, and I was still yeah, like you said, I'll get C's, and then you kind of when you're laying there hungover and you're kind of anxious and you're like, Oh fuck, I am not getting good grades. I don't regret it at all. 
and I'm glad I stuck to my and like you, I'm glad I stuck to my guns and was like, dude, I'm not throwing away this last one. No, I don't regret it at all. I don't give a shit. My my GPA is like blemished. I don't care. It was yeah. awesome. Dude, that's awesome. That's insane. That's so I don't think I've ever had someone on here that's gone to UGA. What a what a, what an oddly beautiful episode for episode nine eleven. Yeah. <laughs> what a what a, what a what a positive note on such a on such a terrible number. <laughs> Dude, that's uh, that's 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 wild. I love that school so much. I haven't been back there since I think twenty fourteen. I love that school so. That, what a fantastic school. Yeah, I went in the biology building. If you went to the very top floor. The top two floors were for research, so you had to like, and they had like key coded doors on the stairwells in the elevator, so you had to like slide in there like behind some like grad student at the very top floor. Little secret for anybody at UGA: go to the very top floor, sixth floor. There's a bunch of like cryogenic refrigerators. Go to the bathroom. Go to the very last stall. You can actually open the stall and take a shit, and it's the only building that you can actually see the full football full football field from. Anybody out there wants a little pro tip? You want to go take a shit and watch a game for free? You can't see it from the top of the library. Can't see it from the SLC. Can't see it from anywhere else. But the top of the biology building, very just top corner, you can take a shit and watch a football game. I know that because I did it. And with that, dude, let's wrap this one up. Uh, hold on, let me.